Hello, you gorgeous, beautiful human you. I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad you're here. Uh, so sometimes in the podcast, I will record ahead, um, particularly if I'm going to be incredibly busy. I will do what uh, content creators call batch create, where I'll do a few um, on a free Sunday afternoon or such and schedule them ahead. And sometimes I'm recording in air quotes, real time. I happen to be in a season of recording in real time. So I was able to get some feedback from the last episode. And uh, first of all, thank you for listening. And second of all, thank you for taking the time to respond. You don't have to, and you did. So thank you. Kind of interesting. So if you are just joining us today, hi. So last week I did a little bit more direct tough love. And I reminded us all that we are the principal agents of our own suffering. How? We create our suffering by the thoughts that we believe. And the feedback has been really kind of in two whole camps. Uh, one camp is the, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why is, why such, what's the big deal? Yeah, of course. And the other feedback has been in um, various low-key forms of F you, Dawn, you don't understand for sure. We are going to continue to explore this point of view a little bit because I think it's so important. And part of the reason I think it's important, and you know, I've touched on this in the past on some of my episodes, feel free to go back into the archives. One way to do that actually is just to scroll randomly and press something. And I bet you it'll be apropos to what you're going through. But um one of the reasons why we're going to continue in this vein really is the overcorrection. Back in the past, everyone thought that mental health was either some form of curse, if you go way back, some sort of demon possession, right? You were evil, you were cursed, or you were just weak. You had a character flaw. You know, you had these soldiers coming back from World War One with what was then called shell shock, which has morphed into what we now call PTSD. And, you know, the, the response was, what's wrong with you? You're just a coward. Get your head in the game, blah, 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 blah. In our awareness that mental health struggles are not a character issue, we went into the medical model, which is, oh, it's all biochemical. And what's tricky about that is that there definitely is a biological element to mental health disturbances. Um, for example, uh, starvation in childhood can be related to schizophrenia in adolescence and adulthood. So there's definitely a biological element to the way that things actualize in our lives. We also know that there is something called the um, multi-generational transmission of trauma at the biological level which of your DNA aspects fire, which get expressed is influenced by stuff that happened to your grandparents facts. Um, some people's brains are funky. They have more or less dopamine receptors. They have more or less flexibility. So there is definitely biological elements. The, the shadow side, the dark side of deciding, Oh, it's just biochemical is uh, there are plenty of studies that have not been able to verify that. I'm not saying that the absence of evidence is evidence of absence, 
but psychiatry and neuropsychology and neurology are having a heck of a time showing us where in the brain depression or anxiety actually is. The flip side of that is, well, these chemical substances seem to help. So if they seem to help, then that would imply that there is a brain element going on to it. So it's all very complicated. In mental health, we talk about the biopsychosocial model. There's your biology, there's your psychology, and there's your social influences. All of those matter. What we've done, however, is we've overcorrected so far into the medical model of it's my brain, it's my DNA, I can't help it, that we've deprived ourselves of the level of freedom that we actually still do have. No matter what your diagnosis, no matter what your disability, no matter what your trauma is, there exists a level of freedom within that scope that can improve your thriving. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what your diagnosis, no matter what your disability, no matter what your DNA is, there is a level of freedom within that scope that can improve your thriving. By some estimates, <laughs> uh, it's like 40%. Some estimates, like 40% is pure lifestyle and attitude. Uh, I don't know how valid that research is. And if I can find, if I can find the paper that I'm referencing, I will put it in the show notes. If not, uh, have fun on Google Scholar. But um, so there's just this notion that it may not be a hundred percent. It may not be a hundred percent, but it is also not zero. It's also not zero. A sidebar to my spiritual friends, uh, atheists, you can tune out here. Uh, there is some teachers that say that 100% of what's happening to you is under your control. I am not in that camp. And I will tell you why, if you believe that you are a spiritual being having a physical experience, and you have existed before and you will exist again, then uh, you got some karma. You got some karma. And if you chose to take on some of your karma in this lifetime, that is going to limit the degrees of freedom that you have based on where you chose to incarnate and into what family. All right, atheists, you can come back now. Speaking of the biopsychosocial model, there is a whole heck of a lot of programming that happens based on to whom you were born that happens before you're verbal, right? Before the age of two. And a heck of a lot of what happens before the age of eight becomes deeply ingrained ways of looking at the world. However, and this is the big however, that is subject to change. That is subject to change. A hundred years ago, they thought that the brain was just fixed. We now know that you can have elasticity in your brain until you shuffle off this mortal coil. You can change your brain. And if you can change your brain, you can change your life. And how do you change your brain? Exercise 
I know. It's always exercise, sleep, EFT, TFT, CFT, which is my uh, trademarked modality. I will be writing a book, I promise. Uh, psychotherapy, EMDR, uh, any number of ways you can change your brain. So what we are going to focus on are those degrees of freedom that exist within your diagnoses, within your trauma, within your disability. I'm going to use myself as an example because I use the word you a lot. So maybe you're like, stop yelling at me, Dawn. Recently, I've been in a lot of pain and I have lived a charmed life where I'm usually not. As I've gotten older, I've had more struggles with asthma and allergies. I think that's environmental. But mostly I'm either A, not in pain, or B, it's just at one of those levels that I can just sort of tolerate and ignore. Those of you who are in chronic pain, you know what I'm talking about. And I was a, a cranky pain in the butt. Fortunately for me, my family was just very tolerant. <laughs> oh gosh, bless them. Yeah, but here's how I created my suffering. Fact, there were sensations in my body. That is the only fact. And uh, non-materialists, holla, my people, could even argue about whether that's a fact. Fact, my body was producing sensations. Everything else is a belief. What? Yes. It's simply sensations. Me saying I am in pain is a judgment and an interpretation. One of the ways that we, uh, we being you know, meditation teachers, psychotherapists, etc., help people manage pain is by changing their relationship to the sensations of their body. When we label something as pain, we focus on it in a way that makes it this monolithic, awful thing. However, if one gets very curious about the actual sensations, we begin to notice that uh, sometimes it's localized, it's usually changing. What's the word I'm looking for? Experience of the intensity of the sensations tends to wane. So my body is producing sensations. I label it pain. I intensify both by physically being tense and kind of um, uh, focusing my attention, my intellectual cognitive attention on it. And then by bracing myself against it, I begin to increase my own experience of what I'm now calling pain. That's suffering level number one. Fact, my body is producing sensations that my brain is acknowledging, period. I create my suffering by calling it pain, focusing on it, bracing against it. Then I choose from the smorgasbord of suffering chemicals by leaning into anger and or sadness and or fear and or disgust make a little cocktail of, I don't like this. And because I don't like this, it shouldn't exist. And because it does exist, life is terrible and I can't be happy and the world sucks and there is no God and, 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 and. Now I'm cranky and I'm in pain and I'm annoying to everyone around me. And all because my body was producing some sensations. That is what I mean by we are the agent of our own suffering. Physical sensations. That there is a fact. Nerve endings are firing. 
everything else is how I'm interpreting. It gets a little trickier when we're talking about interpersonal or intrapersonal experiences. When I begin to have conversations with people about responsibility for their suffering, the the line of argumentation usually goes to like really horrible abusive things. So you're saying that fill in horrible, abusive, terrible thing. Um, I should think that's okay. Beloved dear friends, I would never should on you for any reason because should is one of the primary agents of suffering. The fallacy is that in order to make choice to change experiences, we first have to get upset about them. We first have to be sad or angry or afraid or disgusted about them in order to have the will to change them. That is not so. We also do not have to take on pain in order to acknowledge other people's pain. There's a whole discussion around empathy and sympathy and compassion. People in the helping professions are also are often struggling with compassion fatigue. And what that really comes into is I feel your pain. And we've become attached to the belief that in order to really hold space for someone else's pain, we have to feel it for them. That is a choice that you are welcome to make. And that is a choice that there's times when someone really needs you to make that for them. By all means, do it. And there are other choices available that are not quite so much centered around the suffering. What can we do? Right? The whole point of this podcast isn't just to talk about what is, it's to provide tools for what could be. So one of the best tools for that is to acknowledge your point of view, my point of view, our point of view is just a point of view. Using myself as an example, that hurts. Interesting point of view, that's just a point of view. I don't like that. Interesting point of view is just a point of view. It shouldn't be this way interesting point of view. It's just a point of view. I shouldn't have to put up with this interesting point of view. It's just a point of view. I can't be happy until this goes away. Interesting point of view. It's just a point of view. People should be better drivers. Interesting point of view. It's just a point of view. It can feel dismissive. We are not dismissing your feelings. I am not dismissing my feelings. I'm acknowledging that those feelings are a point of view that will rise and fall really quickly if you simply allow them to exist. I find out that someone that I went to college with passed away. Grief arises. And if I let it be, the grief grief will rise and it will fall. And when I notice myself starting to create suffering about the sadness, the grief of the loss with thoughts like, oh, that's a pity. He was just so young. Oh, it's terrible for his children. Interesting point of view. It's just a point of view. So it's that paradox of both. And I am honoring that the body mind creates emotions around experiences. At the same time, I am honoring and acknowledging the reality that when I create thoughts that I believe and get attached to around those sensations and experiences, I am now creating suffering from what was merely, merely sounds dismissive, excuse me, from what was sensations. 
The body produces sensations. The emotional body has experiences. When I allow them, they rise, they fall. We move on. When I attach to them, I like this, I don't like this, I want this, I don't want that. I am creating suffering and the tool becomes interesting point of view. It's just a point of view. Interesting point of view, it's just a point of view. And when we detach from our points of view, the shocking, (laughs) the shocking aspect of is that we become so much more aware of the choices available to change the circumstances and the sensations. But you can't trick yourself into getting to that space by like, I'm just going to pretend like I'm not attached to my point of view so that I can find the choices to change the thing. There really is that detachment from our holding tight to our attitude and beliefs about the thing. When we surrender and release that, a world of possibility opens up that can either include the thing as it is and or begin to create something different in the future. Okay, I'm really hoping you're following this because the paradox of both and sometimes scrambles our brains. Please feel free to listen to this again and let it kind of get into your, past your brain, actually, to your awareness and to your wise mind. All right. Thanks for listening, you gorgeous you. Here's my point of view. You are whole, perfect, and complete just the way you are. And the big lie that we've all bought is that there's something wrong with us. It's a lie. There's nothing wrong with you. Shabooby-dooby-dooby-doo-doo. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You have so many gifts and you have so much to offer the world. And we're so grateful that you are here. And um, it'd be really lovely if you would, uh, you know, believe that. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Mental Wellness Wake-Up Show, a weekly podcast where growth-minded, creative people come to learn best practices from both spirituality and psychology that create lasting well-being. I am your host, mental wellness expert, improvised acting teacher, therapist, and coach, Dawn McMillan. Let's get to it. I am so honored that you share time with me. If you've listened this far, then something here was of value to you. Would you please be a friend of the podcast and share it with at least one other person? The podcast is available on most platforms, including YouTube, and I need your help to get the word out. So please like, subscribe, and share, and a five-star review on iTunes would be chef's kiss. Thank you so much. See you next time.